And we are live. Thank you for tuning in to the Foraging Truth Radio podcast. Uh, we, um, Chuck and I, are in the studio here, and we're going to be covering uh, a couple of topics that you're you're definitely going to want to hear about. Uh, but first, make sure that you like and share this video with your friends. Help us get the word out to everyone about foraging, about the creation, everything that's in it, and most importantly, about the Creator, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So. Now, without further ado, let's get into the main topic that we're going to start with today, and that's going to be there's a really crazy situation going on in Tennessee. It's in the news. I'm sure you've heard about it. It has to do with a police officer engaging in some adult relations with other officers, and uh, it, it's it's a mess. It's a terrible situation. It's it's no doubt hurting families. It's uh, certainly not the kind of publicity that you would want for yourself or for your employer or anything like that. And um, you know, it's definitely causing a lot of problems. I mean, how many kids are being affected by this? How many spouses are being affected by this? It's it's terrible. And I don't even want to say the names of the people involved because I don't want to give them any more publicity than they've already gotten. But if you know, you know, and it, I don't know, Chuck, it just seems like this kind of immorality is, is in the news and it becomes such a spectacle that people, they want to know everything about it. They want to spend time thinking about it. You just have to wonder why, I mean, what are, what's your take on this? Well, I mean, if they, if, if people are that narrow minded nowadays that that they would think that those are the only people that are doing that kind of stuff and mm -hmm. that is like, oh look at them oh look at them well i'm sure that if they sit back and just think for five minutes they're going to think of people that have done that in their workplace and i don't think right. i think it's just it's just a shadow of what the world is becoming i mean and that and what it Becoming is is a gentle term as well, because I mean we can go back through history and, and see how civilizations fall. And I believe um, the civilization that we've come to know here in America is being set up for a fall, because the first thing you want to do is destroy the family. If you can destroy the family, then you're hitting bedrock in society. So. With saying that, I mean, we can see the degradation of the family today. I mean, I'm sure you can see it. Yeah, it, it's it's terrible. I mean, kids are kids suffer whenever uh, families break apart, and no doubt that's what's going to happen in some of these cases. I mean, it how could it not? And you know, kids need a mother and a father, and in some circles that may be unpopular, but We've got male and female throughout the entire animal kingdom. Every, you know, duckbill platypus, every moose, every panda bear, every bird, every, pretty much everything. There's a male and a female. And depending on the animal, maybe most of the time the female takes a dominant role. Sometimes it's a male. I would put that a little in the creative license of the creator to, you know, provide some things like that. Just, it just, Hey, look, you know, in this case, 
the male takes, you know, additional roles or, or whatever. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, you have animals, adult animals and adult people that nurture children, nurture other, they're, they're, they're young to adulthood and instill in them, you know, behaviors, you know, I've, I've seen a, a mother cat, you know, with a kitten that got too close to me and she swatted at the cat and screamed at the cat, basically get away. Now yeah. that was a cat that was fairly friendly to me, but still was protecting its young in, in that instance. And, and, you know, that is the role of parents is to protect their children from evil, whatever that may, whatever form that may take and, and make them, uh, m prepare them for being on their own. And, you know, whether that's a cat or that's person, you still need to have them, you know, have skills, have knowledge so that they can, they can do what they're supposed to do as an adult. And when you break up the family, then you don't have those nurturing roles. When you, when parents are abusive to their kids or they are just checked out and not part of their kids' lives, you know, I think that's a form of abuse too, to, to simply be unavailable to, to raise your own children. And, you know, we, we put things under the guise of mental health. Oh, well, that person, they're suffering from depression or bipolar or whatever that may be. Um, but there's still personal responsibility. If that bipolar person plans out a murder and executes it, they're going to go to jail and they might get the death penalty or life in prison it doesn't matter if they have a, you know, some kind of mental health issue and those things can be overcome, you know, if someone wants to overcome them in a lot of cases. And, and this is something that's just plain and it just, just fits to what we're talking about right now. A lot of people don't, they all, we all have our opinions of what's right and what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And, oh, that's clearly not right. And I don't believe that. But, you know, you're making those decisions. But when you use the, the word of God to, to make your decisions, it's black and white. <laughs> I mean, it's like, OK, you want to see if if. Um, let's say gender neutrality and all this other stuff, the things that are coming out that I never even dreamed of when I was a kid that are coming out now. Mm -hmm. Well, who's who's leading this movement? You know, like where is this written in the Bible? Where is this at? And all you have to do is go to the book of Genesis and you see one man, one woman, one flesh, children. If yep. it goes against that, if it if it breaks that up, then it's not of God. Right. Because God clearly made it that way. And, so and not I mean, only that, not only that, but throughout the animal kingdom, you have male and female from bugs up to elephants. You need a male yeah. and a female. There's there's no such thing as a non-binary rhinoceros. That that's that it's not even it's not even a thing. And, and I, it makes me think of a documentary that was done by the Daily Wire called "What Is a Woman?" And, and the guy who did it, um, Matt Walsh, I think is his name. He went to Africa and he he talked to people there and he said, "Hey, um, can a woman become a man?" And they all laughed at him. They busted a gut laughing at him because that's such a ridiculous concept. 
And, and he said, well, what is a woman? And he said, well, you know, she's got this type of genitalia and she's able to bear children. It was very cut and dry. And that's exactly how it is throughout animals from lions and tigers to giraffes and gazelles and everything else. It's, it's pretty obvious. So anyone who's telling it, well, you know, so someone could be this gender or they could be, well, no, no, it, it, you can, you can, you can claim you're a cat. You, Chuck, could say, I feel like I'm a cat now. But we know what a cat is. And we don't have to be a cat to know what a cat is any more than we have to be a woman to know what a woman is. And yeah, sure. Some people are going to say that's controversial or controversial. You can be controversial and right and you can be controversial and wrong. And, and yeah. the very laws of nature speak out against the idea of anything other than male and female, mother and father. And, and biblically speaking, that a mother and a father they bear children. I mean, not even biblically, it's nature too, but they bear children. They raise a family. They raise them with their beliefs. And, and I think it's very important that we do that to the best of our ability with our kids. The older they get, the more of a mind they have, the more they may, they may choose to, they may make wrong decisions. And, and that's, um, that's something they have to live with. As long as you've put in the groundwork to get them there, you know, they have at least a solid foundation and probably a good relationship with you. So if they do make mistakes, they do goof up. Okay, well, let's talk about that. What could you do differently? You can continue that relationship long into adulthood, but you cultivate it when they're very young and you keep it going. Yes. And also, I mean, I saw this growing up and it was pretty blatantly obvious to me, you know, back in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about nineties, you know, um, we used to get together and eat dinner in front of the TV as a family. And yeah. we would always, we would always watch whatever was on when we were done making dinner. And it usually turned out to be the Simpsons. And the funny <laughs> part about the Simpsons was that Homer, the, the father figure mm -hmm. was less than a father figure. And that, and it was, it was very, it was very amusing because he was the fat, bald, out of shape guy. Right. And what was really funny was that Marge was his wife and Marjorie is my mother's name. So my dad used to laugh pretty hard at what Homer did. And, you know, everybody does. But what that started was this, I don't know if the Simpsons started it, but whatever started that movement then you had the Bundys and you had all these other shows where oh, the, the guy yeah. married, married mm -hmm. with children. Yeah. Um, and, and it all downplayed the father and it was like, Oh, the wives are the ones that are smarter, bigger, better, faster. And the guy was the, he was the one that was chosen for some reason. Yeah. He's the slacker. <laughs> yeah. He's a slacker and he's the one, you know, and, and he's supposed to drink beer and, and, and fall and fall asleep in front of the TV while mom right. does the rest of everything. So, I mean, with, with, and if, if it was in the other way where we were downgrading the female's role in the family, you know, and she was a slacker always doing this and always doing that. Well, you're downplaying one side to the other and, and they're a team. So, I mean, yeah. Any team that doesn't play together isn't going to win anything. So, 
you know, I definitely can see it going on today. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate. I mean, some people say, well, it is what it is, but what can you do in your own sphere? You know, that's, I mean, that's a big, that that's probably the underpinnings of what we're doing here with Foraging Truth is what can you do within your own sphere of influence? You know, in psychology world, sphere of influence, what's around you that's within your grasp, your locus of control is another, um, another statement. And that's going to be your spouse, your kids, um, maybe close friends, neighbors, coworkers, things like that. Don't worry about what's going on overseas. I mean, sure, that may be catastrophic for a lot of people there, but what are you doing in your own backyard? Jordan Peterson makes a great point that, you know, if you can't keep your own room in order, your own bedroom, you can't make your bed in the morning, you shouldn't be concerned with issues that affect the entire world. It's that's too far beyond what you are actually doing now. Make your bed, clean up your room, make breakfast, then decide, okay, what am I going to do now? Yeah. Or yourself, what can you control? Let's control ourselves. Like today's immorality we're talking Mm -hmm. about. The, The first thing that you can control is you. And if you can't control you, that's the first thing you need to gain control of. Yeah. And once you gain control of you, then you might be able to get your wife and your children functioning as a unit. And once you start functioning as a unit, then you might be able to help your neighbor if they're having problems. But until you get your situation figured out, who are you helping really? You know, I mean, so I guess that's the whole, I was going to say, I I guess that's the whole, remove the board from your eye before you remove the splinter from your neighbor's eye kind of thought process. (laughs) You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Um, And, and, you know, as far as removing your own board, if you're having a problem with a coworker, you know, say you're a guy and she's a female or vice versa, and, and you feel like that's a bad situation, get out, find a new job. You know, if you gotta, if you gotta move, move, whatever you gotta do. You want, isn't there you, a verse? Isn't there a verse about that? Yeah, I believe that's the only sin that's listed in the Bible. I believe, if you can check on that, that you are supposed to flee from. You're supposed to run from it. That doesn't yeah, mean I, like walk around it, or you know, or let it exist next to you, and then you might not do it. But if you know, it, that's like the one we're supposed to flee from. That that was um, Joseph in, <clears throat> in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter thirty nine. Um, he was working for Potiphar, who was one of Pharaoh's employees in in Egypt, and she was a loose woman. She w- ran around with everybody, and she took a took a liking to Joseph and. Um, you know, he was not interested. And so she got to the point where she sent away all the other, all the other work or all the other helpers, um, you know, servants, sent them out of the house, go, go to wherever. And she tried to put moves on him and he ran. And as he ran, she didn't, she didn't want to let go of his clothing and he left his clothing behind. Now he ended up getting thrown in jail anyways, but at least he did not 
commit adultery. He didn't sin, <clears throat> but here he is running down the street naked. So, <laughs> I mean, what <laughs> I, I'd imagine hey. that 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 became a uh, that was a that was a trending thing in, in Egypt. That would have been trending if they had Twitter or Facebook. They would have been talking about this guy you know, running they down were, the street naked. And then she made up a story about how he put moves on her and she wasn't interested. And, and you know, that it, it is what it is. I'm sure that never goes on today. No, of course not. One but, way, one what, way or the other. Yeah. So, so times have not changed very much. No, in a lot of ways they haven't. I mean, well, what is it Solomon said? And I think it was Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under the sun. And a yes. lot of people quote that. They don't even know where it comes from. There's nothing new under the sun. And uh, that, you know, here we are. Here we are. It's another proof of that text from over 2,000 years ago. Maybe 2,500, even 3,000 years ago. Yeah. I in don't that ballpark. Exactly when it was written. Yeah, I don't remember exactly uh, yeah. when it was written, but it was a long time ago, that's for sure. Uh, so with nothing yeah. new being under the sun, the only thing I could say that was different back then that I kind of wish that we would have today would be like not having all this technology and not having some of these great things that we have because you would be closer to each individual of your life. Like mm -hmm. I think we were just talking about mourning you know and the jewish tradition back then was right. an entire mourning like you were going to mourn the loss of your loved one and it was tearing your clothes and ashes and you were mourning and you went through i believe you even we were just talking about all these levels of grief that you're supposed to go through and today right. we really don't do that we hold on to everything yeah, and, and people, some people will hold on to every scrap of clothing from a loved one. They will hold on to everything that their loved one had. I mean, even down to the point of letting, you know, they, they, oh, well, they built this little shed back in, in, you know, behind the house. And I just want to remember the way it was. Nah, it's falling down. It, there, there's animals living in it. Everything's rotted. Everything's rusted. The, the roof is caved in, but they don't want to tear it down and do anything else with it. They just mm, want to let it so sit many, there. And yeah, so many that, different passions yeah. so <clears throat> come in the mind right now that I, you know, right. just don't even want to open up those can of worms right now. No, <laughs> no. Just like, you know, as far as letting this world be this world. I mean, mm -hmm. we have lots. We have the worms, the, 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 everything just breaks down, you know, the solar right. effects from the sun just, I mean, everything's going to break down. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's going to be like at the end of my father's life, you could hold on to all these things or you could just let it go and just remember what's the most important. And that would be your relationships with the people that you love and Number one, following God. That's right. it. Re you know, relationship that's with your creator. Yes. And that I believe that's the relationship that builds all the other relationships and shows you how to be that unity yet that have the unity in your family that mm -hmm. you need to have. 
And right. the bedrock is God. And that's yeah. it. So with saying that, what else do we have today? Um, we, we were going to talk about uh, Jesus and uh, weeping, specifically um, the shortest verse of the Bible. It's John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Easy to that's memorize. Easy to memorize. That's a, and That's a very good one there. And that's in, in line with um, what we were talking about as far as mourning. That, uh, and really a lot of cultures probably did this too. It wasn't just the Jews. But they had a pattern to how they mourned and you know, how, um, how they dealt with grief. And so, you know, it, it says in the passage leading up to that, that there were a lot of Jews that were with Mary and Martha who were, were all mourning the loss of Lazarus and that Mary and Martha were uh, sisters to Lazarus. He was their brother. And this was a very, a, a very um, hard time for them. And so Jesus shows up and it's, you know, they say to him, you know, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. You know, you could have saved him. And he tells them, your brother will rise again. And he says, they said, well, I know you'll rise in the resurrection on the last day. And he says, well, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though he dies. And everyone who lives in me will never die. Believe this. Of course, he, he's kind of talking about spiritual death here. He's not just talking about physical death. And, and that's something to remember when you're looking at scripture is that sometimes there is a, 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 an additional meaning or there's deeper levels of meaning. And in this case, you know, it, he's not necessarily saying everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Well, clearly the apostles died. Paul died. Lots of church yeah. leaders died physically, but they did not endure really? the second death, the spiritual death. And, you know, so they, down in the passage further, you know, Jesus goes to the tomb and says, take away the stone. And their faith wavers a little bit. So, well, Lord, by now he stinks. It's already been four days. This grave is going to stink terribly. And, you know, he said, did I, and then he questions them. Did I not tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God saying, look, look, you just said that if I was here, he wouldn't have died. And, you know, you believe that, you know, he, he will rise again. Okay. So, so they took away the stone and then Jesus prayed and he, he thanked the father for hearing him that acknowledged that the father always hears him. And, um, he says, yeah, he, he says, father, I thank you. Yeah, so this is this is John eleven forty one and forty two. Um, so they took away the stone that Jesus lifted his eyes upward and said, "Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, so that they may believe that you have sent me." And after Jesus had said this, he called out in a loud voice, "Lazarus, come out or come forth!" and the man who had been dead came out of with you know with his hands and feet bound in strips of linen you know they would have wrapped them all up you know think like a mummy kind of and yeah. his face wrapped in a cloth and so they unwrapped him and you know he said unwrap him let him go 
And, and, you know, that's, that's the end of that story where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. There, there's and, definitely you know, a couple things there. There's definitely a oh, couple yeah. things that stand out. Like, yeah. Okay. So a lot of people would probably get confused about Jesus praying to God when he is God and all that. And that's the, that whole, you know, things that, some things that we, have trouble wrapping our heads around, you know, as Christians right. sometimes. But mm -hmm. that being the first thing, the second thing is Lazarus come forth. Do you think, I mean, isn't it, isn't it pretty unique that he called him by name? I mean, I've heard some pastors say, well, if he wouldn't have called him by name and just yelled, come forth, everybody would have came out of their tombs. That, you know, just God's power. I mean, they're just emphasizing God's power. But yeah, I can see isn't that. that unique? Yeah, isn't that unique? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that, and that's a, human, that's a human thought process. And I can understand that, too. Like, you better use his name, <laughs> you know, because yeah. we don't want the other guys coming out, you know. And then and the other thing that stands out is Jesus wept. Mm -hmm. That part about Jesus wept. That goes into that family that we were talking about. The family, the unity, the two becoming one flesh and children being produced. And this was three children, Mary, Martha, yeah. and Lazarus. Lazarus. And the way that they would mourn and openly cry. And mm -hmm. we've, we've talked about this before other days when we were out filming and stuff. A lot of times in our culture, if you're not correcting your children in the right ways and teaching them when to cry, this is something that you should cry about. This is, right. and you could do that by action like my dad did. Like I didn't know my dad cried until his mother passed away. You know, mm -hmm. I never saw my dad cry. And when he, when he did cry, I was like, this is the time to cry. And believe me, there was no holding back at that point. When you see your dad crying, the whole family's oh, yeah. crying. Yeah. So, but that masculinity, you know, that 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 masculine uh, man role model, I mm -hmm. believe was good for me. You know, and, and without even realizing it, he taught me that, you know, you don't cry about that because. I was probably using my tears as manipulation because I did not get what I wanted at that moment. You know, like, right. Oh, you know, I, I wanted that and I can't have it, you know? And, and you know, your dad's like, I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things are not worth crying about. And like we had talked about before that probably 80 or 90% of a kid's crying in their first few years is about manipulation. I'm hungry. I'm tired. Change my diaper. I want that cookie. Why did he take that toy from me? Why are you sending me to bed? It's about manipulation. I don't want to go to bed yet. I don't want to go to school. And you got to work beyond that and show them like, these things are not something that you're allowed to cry about. We don't want you to cry about this. Crying is something like anything else. There's an appropriate time and place for, you know, whether yes. it's love or it's, it's enthusiasm. Sometimes you don't want to be hyper enthusiastic. Oh yeah, this is going to be so great and blah, blah, because 
maybe the person you're talking to gets easily overwhelmed by that enthusiasm. And yeah, if you approached with a little more quietness and tact, they would actually listen to you. Yeah, it's so intricate, but there's a lot of people out there that would look at a man that has tears in his eyes, crying, and be mm -hmm. like, well, you're not a man. You're not a real yeah. man. Some of the men that I've seen cry, I would never say, especially at that moment, that they're not a real man because they're crying. Right. And certainly, certainly I would never say that to God on earth. If God no. in human form would cry, that's powerful. That preaches by itself. Two words, Jesus wept. Mm -hmm. yeah. I believe that is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible as far as who God is. You one know, of the... One of the, the proof texts of whether something is true or not, or is the full picture or not, is are there negative things said or unbecoming or less than heroic? So you look at some of the, the uh, ancient Greek mythology um, or stories about you know heroes from ancient times. By and large, what was written by the guys who worked for the the head honcho, I don't know, Alexander the Great or anybody like that, um, they wrote nothing but good stuff. Because if they wrote anything bad, they might get executed for that. So they just wrote good stuff. But when you look in the Bible, you see the the failures of some of the key people. David, he had eyes for a married woman, and he had her husband killed. And you you look at um, you know, Samson. I mean, he he had some issues too. So many people throughout the Bible had the the negative side of their behavior told also. And that leads credence to an accuracy of anything when you have the good and the bad all told at the same time. And in this case, getting back to the Jesus wept, that you know, Jesus being shown as not just this heroic savior, and I'm gonna tell you how to get into heaven, but he also had real feelings. And in this case, was grieving the loss of someone that was close to people that he cared about. Yes. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think that is that is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, you know, next to mm -hmm. Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord, which is even more. It's just great. You know, it's just if when you when you really get the context of that, it's it's powerful. It just uh, it, it is. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I can't believe people actually out there go, you know, well, life doesn't come with with a manual. What actually does. It does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Does we're we're looking at it right now. Yeah. Life life does come with a how to manual is it's willing. If you are you one that would read the directions or are you one that skims through them after everything goes wrong? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean, I was the one that was I'm still skimming through. So. <laughs> So, I am, know, I am too sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, so so we we've covered the we covered Jesus wept. I think I think uh, we got a good understanding of this. Um, yeah. <clears throat> why don't we uh, Why don't we talk about yeah. uh, the foraging report? Yeah, let's let's get on to the foraging report because Chuck has not been feeling the greatest, and uh, <laughs> Chuck's starting to feel a little bit better. 
Um, Wonderful. A little bit better uh, when all the tests come back. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm not going to sit and dwell on that. So what do we have in the foraging report today? And what you're holding there, what yeah. do we have? Well, this is chicory. Although it's not alive, there's no purple flowers. This this sucker is completely dead. If we can get it steady for the camera. Did you break that off in the yard? Yeah, Did this this I I broke this off about an hour ago, and um, you, you know it, out too. <laughs> it. Well, I could have, but this sucker's been growing for about four or five years, so that root is going to be really bitter. And yeah, sure, bitter is good. Bitter is a taste that we don't find in food in uh, America very often, and that that we're you know we end up consuming a lot of sugar. If we consumed a lot of bitter food, sugar would taste too sweet. We would crave less of it. It would be good for us. Um, so this very, would be, be very proud of me right now. <laughs> I am not drinking this tea with any sweetener in it. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Did you know that chicory? is one of the bitter herbs that they fix at Passover every year. I did. We made a video on that, actually. You can probably we, put the link we in did. the description. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I'll put the link in the description for the chicory video. But yeah, this was one of the bitter herbs. It was cultivated as early as we know in Egypt. The earliest books about, it, uh, about herbs include chicory. And it appears to grow almost everywhere. Hardiness zones, if you've never looked at hardiness zones, is basically how cold, how hot, humidity, that sort of thing. The United States, the continental United States is hardiness zones three through nine. And then the southern tip of Florida is hardiness zone 10. So pretty much this will grow anywhere. From what I'm reading, that the protein content of the young plants can be over 30%. Now, protein in a plant, in leaves, yeah. and the root is pretty intense. Um, some say that it has more nutritional value than value than uh, alfalfa. So um, if it's got more nutritional value than alfalfa, um, I, I don't know. I mean, alfalfa is fairly nutritious. You can, you can sprout alfalfa and eat it. Um, cattle love it, but cattle love this too and sheep and goats and pigs and everything else. So, yeah, um, it's a, it, and it's a perennial. So if you're out in the woods and you see a plant that looks like it's got these random flowers coming out and some stems on the sides and everything, there's a good chance it's chicory. And if you were to show up in June or July, you're going to find this, but with purple flowers and green leaves, and you're going to find yeah. more of it. And, and so and you could, want, yeah. I was going to say, and if you want to see that, that would be the best time to go ahead after this video, watch our chicory video, and that would show you what the plant looks like with the flowers on. Absolutely. Right then and there. And the yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll talk a little bit about, we talk a little bit of in, in that video about how to use it. Uh, there's certainly other videos. There's other websites that talk about what to do with chicory and, and then you can collect seeds and it'll, since it'll grow almost anywhere, if you sprinkle those seeds along the edge of your property, you got a hillside that you can't do much with, as long as there's good sun and good drainage, it's going to grow and it's going to come back year after year and you can pull it up and you can cut off the root make a coffee substitute. You can put the leaves in your salad. If you'd like to celebrate Passover, growing this would be one of the herbs that you would need for that. 
And, you know, it's, it's just an all around pretty hardy plant. Uh, and the flowers are beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. So, so you know, it, yeah, go. So what I've got here is lion's mane tea. Mm -hmm. And this goes to show you that I did not have any lion's mane left over because I enjoy consuming lion's mane when it's fresh. So oh, yeah. I have not made any tea from lion's mane. Now, there is one great effect of lion's mane tea. This tea. Lion's mane can actually help you alleviate stress, worry, all of that. Mm -hmm. It gives you like a happy, not euphoric, not like a drug feeling, but like you just right. feel less inclined to worry about stuff. And, mm -hmm. and that is a good effect of this tea. But can you guess what else is in here, Seth? I think I can guess. I bet it's chicory root. It's chicory root. Yep. Yeah. And mm -hmm. what's this tea good for? Prebiotic. It's acid-free and caffeine-free. And, of course, it has the 300 milligrams of lion's mane in it, which right. does me a lot of good right now. This is actually my neighbor bought this, and yeah. she uh, asked me about something for stress. And I said, well, lion's mane is really good for stress. Well, she ordered this tea, and she wanted me to try it. So I've been having some issues going on. So, of course, I tried it. And I have to say that I usually put something in it for sweeten, you know, to sweeten something up. And it's actually right. sweetened with dates. This is actually already sweetened with dates naturally. So, and I had no problems. I sat here and drank the whole cup. I, and, I'm uh, game for trying it. I'd like to try that. I have. I have about five or six, so I'll keep a couple for you. Sure. It's well, actually it's worked really well. Okay, so tonight we talked about immorality in the world, Jesus wept, and we had our foraging report about chicory, and uh, we both had a lot of different feedback for this, but this is basically a normal Christian perspective on the world, the Bible, and how we should be living our lives, and some things that we can use from God's creation to make our lives a little bit easier. Because nobody's life, chicory, but nobody's life is easy. And we all know that the rain's going to fall, it's going to hit everybody. So, with that being said, when the rain falls, it'll be on Seth and me here coming in morel season, right around the corner. I can't wait. I can't uh, <laughs> wait. We'll be out in the woods. We'll we'll probably do a, a podcast or two out in the woods, plus some other foraging videos. <clears throat> so I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to do a lot more cleaning, cleaning and prep videos. Um, we're going to be doing a lot more tea making videos. We're going to be doing mm -hmm. water extractions, alcohol extractions. We're going to be doing all that from the Groves Kitchen. I think that's going to be pretty cool. Well, we're going to conclude this podcast for tonight. We thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. And we would love to uh, see uh, your comments about what you'd like to see us cover in the next one. Make sure that you uh, you check out our Teespring store. We've got some really gnarly shirts and hoodies and stuff like that in there. And without further ado, Chuck. Keep foraging, guys. Absolutely. We'll see you.